Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, a victorious Brian Christofferson, and uh, Michael Bruns. Tiger Woods, how, do, how are you feeling as, as the Tiger oh, guy right. here at the table? I forgot. There was a big doubter yeah, over here. I, I got to buy some uh, some Malort. Is that, uh, that, that, that was, was what the it, terms of the bet. Okay. Because it was Malort and sweater vest, right? No, there was no sweater vest. You can't attach that to it. I was going to wear a sweater no, vest. No, Brian was going to. I think you're you're safe from the sweater vest. No, I didn't even know that sweater vest had even come up. I thought that would be something else we'd do later on. But um, I do feel vindicated, though. Um, it was it was a special victory for me that I'm going to... Was it more special on. than watching the red team pull one out against the white team on Saturday? No, not quite that good. I mean, that was, that was scintillating, you have to say. And we watched every... We were dialed into that scrimmage. Were we? You weren't? Uh, no. I, <laughs> I have to admit, I was I was busy with the recruiting stuff. I probably watched a grand total of about a quarter and a half of that game, and not the good quarter and a half. the The end of the the well, end of the game. Oh, that's a fast quarter and a half too. I know. <laughs> it was about twenty five minutes. Yeah. I think. And of that time, I was in the elevator for at least three minutes. So really, twenty two minutes. So I'm probably not the guy that's going to give you. Some oh, look forward to the conversation picks. today. <laughs> saw Luke McCaffrey complete a pass that they called back that would have covered the spread. Can't say I was too thrilled about that. Your score ended up being closer than uh, Brunson and I. Yeah. We were kind of laughing at you early yeah. on, and then you. You guys expected offense. Your 19 to 17 prediction or whatever your NFC North style. Yeah. Score worked out. It did. I apparently know my stuff as it relates to the 2019 Nebraska mm-hmm. football team. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll just kind of dive headfirst into it and start with this. Was there a player that impressed you when you were watching, assuming you guys were watching, on Saturday that maybe you weren't anticipating that you would see their name come up as much or that they would flash as much? Well, I mean, Jerron Woodyard had a good spring, it sounds like, and he got in the end zone. I mean, he was the guy Adrian Martinez found on the signature Adrian play, yeah. as you might call it. Was he sacked on that play? Like, Oh, you're, you're calling into controversy <laughs> the Martinez touchdown. It just, I don't know. It seemed like the, the refs were kind of swallowing the whistles when the defenders were getting close on certain he, he plays. He gets like the Aaron They Rodgers. didn't at the end of the game. That's true. That's true. Still mad. Yeah. But I mean, it—it it, it just I, I was expecting a little bit more of a, you know, if a guy corrals Adrian Martinez playing two-hand touch, you got to give him credit for that. Yeah, I, I I didn't see the touch, but you might be right. I think the guy who got screwed with the, the those rules the most was McCaffrey, because uh, <laughs> I mean his whole game is running yeah. and. There was a play where I think he might have ripped off like a 60-yard touchdown. Agreed. Yeah, I know exactly. That was one of the few plays I and remember watching. they took watching. away his like yeah. kind of shining moment, and we'd be buzzing about that yeah. if, if he had taken it to the house and a guy maybe like brushed him. It was like when a guy's in the batter's box and he gets hit on the jersey and they get you see the, the ripple. Of the, it's the such shirt. a joke, you know? Yeah. But that, that's what it felt like. McCaffrey should have at some point just been like, you know what? I'm taking the green jersey off. Let him hit me. I want to show what I can do. <laughs> and just like played real football. Wouldn't the fans have just gone ape if oh, he had God. done that? Yeah. <laughs> he rips it off. <laughs> just has the pads on too. No. Just bare shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that would have been a certainly a signature spring game moment right up there with a punt return from Jamal Turner from a, a true freshman. So, uh, yeah, he definitely was someone – he wasn't the only true freshman that stood out. I thought that Garrett Nelson came to play a little yeah. bit, and he had some moments in that game and kind of made me reevaluate. I kind of felt like he was ticketed for a red shirt with all of the traffic they have there at outside linebacker. But his attitude and how physical he can play leads me to believe that he's someone that you probably have to find a way to get on the field in special teams and then see if he can grow into some sort of role for you as an outside linebacker. I uh, I think he's had a pretty good spring um, based on what we've heard from, from various people. He certainly showed up to work. He's certainly big enough. Uh, we always talk about you know guys that come from a little bit smaller situations, how they're going to adjust to the Big Ten and physical nature of college football. Garrett Nelson doesn't necessarily look like an 18-year-old freshman. Uh, he's bigger than <laughs> Caleb Tanner was last year. It might be because he has that mullet. He just, the mullet you're, is you're just associating them with like the 1980s, so well, you assume he's older. I'm sort of just associating him coming out of a dive bar ready to take on six different people because someone said something about the, the woman that he was with at the, the dive bar. But, <laughs> I mean, that's what that mullet tells me. And then he would win in that fight. It, it's uh, you can see the wind go through it. That's a good mullet. <laughs> well, any non mullet thoughts on Garrett Nelson? No, I, I thought he was, I thought he was good. I, I mean, we've been saying all spring that you know he was getting run with the twos. Uh, I mean that that group is crowded, but you've got a lot of guys who had, have not proven themselves over a long period of time. I mean, I think everybody's thrilled about the the potential of Jojo Doman, assuming he can stay healthy. Tyron Ferguson's in that group, another guy that's battled injury during his time in Nebraska. Uh, Alex Davis, he was a guy that had a great spring game, had that really acrobatic interception that got called back, uh, had a couple sacks, probably probably legit sacks. He's like the the spring game MVP of the last Mm -hmm. two years, if you think about it. I mean, he had the pick six for a touchdown. He had a couple sacks last year. People are uh, saying, we haven't seen this from Alex Davis before. I'm like, yeah, you saw it last year yeah. in the spring game. <laughs> they haven't seen it in the games that, <laughs> right. I guess, technically count. But. So, I mean, there, there's opportunity there, I think, for Garrett Nelson if he shows that, I mean, he could potentially get after the quarterback a little bit, give you some special teams help. I mean, he's a guy that I think is going to play for sure in four games. Yeah. I wasn't sure before, and now I'm pretty certain based on what he looked like out there right? that you can find something for him to do to help you. I think one of the reasons you think about burning his shirt this year is because Davis and Ferguson are seniors. I think if those guys weren't in their last year here, you'd want to separate distance. Well, not just because of that, where you get that nice kind of class buildup, but also because I think you got to kind of look at it like they need either Nelson or Tanner to figure a lot of stuff out this fall as not the main guys so that they can be the main guys next year. And that might require saying we got we got to play you when we can all these games and get you that type of experience. Sort of like they did with Caleb Tanner last year who by the way he should have some fuel um seeing Garrett Nelson on the scene and it was not a productive spring for him yeah, because he was limited with injury. And Eric Shenander, when I asked him about 
Caleb, he said, you know, last year he was just, I mean, he's a great athlete, but he's just running around. He didn't, he didn't know where he fit in the puzzle. We were talking about puzzles prior to the podcast. Actually. Determined nobody here is a puzzle guy. Yeah, that's the kind of interesting conversation we have behind the scenes. But uh, <laughs> I'm not a puzzle guy either. You're still not no, a puzzle I mean, guy. I, I thought not. you were going to add something. No. I, I kind of, you know, emptied the cannon. In the, in the discussion yeah, beforehand, it was amazing. It was amazing what you were saying about puzzles. <laughs> but Caleb, some of those spatulas. <laughs> yeah, yeah there was spatulas brought up. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Caleb Tanner. Everybody wants to see that guy take off, but it's gonna have it's gonna have to happen in a pretty good fall camp for him now because I he's probably at least the fourth guy in line. Yeah, yeah. There's um, he's got to make a move, uh, and I think he can. I mean, he's got as much talent as anybody in front of him. It's just a matter of staying healthy and then putting it together on the practice field. And I, I think he can do that. We had heard he had had a pretty good winner uh, in terms of getting bigger. And he's one of those guys that could be a, a real asset for you with his athleticism and being able to get after the quarterback. So um, I that outside linebacker group, we're going to talk about them a lot. I mean, we're going to talk about receivers a lot. One group that played on Saturday that I don't think we're going to be talking a lot about the individuals in the fall is going to be the running backs. I mean, do you see a scenario where any of the running backs that played on Saturday leads Nebraska in rushing at any point in no. a game in 2019? No, I don't. I honestly don't think – I'm trying to think if I'm missing someone, but I don't think anybody who played Saturday is going to have a meaningful role I'm with at you. all. Not, not just leading – I just don't – and I don't mean that to diminish, like, Brody, right. Brody Bell. I know exactly what you mean, but it was – so on Saturday, there was just this amazing example of of what spring football is. And there's probably about a dozen to 15 people standing around Brody Bell after the game getting an interview. And <laughs> Ramir Johnson is just strolling through the players' lounge, <laughs> unassuming, like – and first of all, the way that it, it works over there is nobody would know who Ramir Johnson is unless they were told. Yeah. But, I mean, this guy is just walking through and without a care in the world, nobody has any paying any attention to him. I would be shocked if that scene would play out like that at any point in 2019. I, I expect Ramir Johnson to be one of those guys, even though he didn't come in early, is going to go over his four-game limit. Uh, as well as, you know, they got Dedrick Mills and Maurice Washington will have some sort of role, I suspect. We should have had Ramir do what Cody Green used to do <laughs> and come over and and be the spokesperson for the running backs and, and evaluate like Cody Green used to do about Taylor Martinez. Ramir, what did you see out there? Yeah. I really like that cutback from Jalen Bradley. <laughs> did you, what did you guys make of the offensive line? Like, I, I feel like you've got some guys they feel good about, but was the five the five that they started with on Saturday is is that who were they? It was uh, left I mean, to right. Seriously, I don't know. Left to right, it was Hymas, Hickson, Jurgens, Wilson, Farniok. Yep. Is that the group in that order that we're going to see run out there for the season opener against uh, South Alabama? I think, Jag Jaguars. I think so. I bet no. Each of you, why? Ooh, Brian, another, go first. We needed to like double down on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Malort will take the physical challenge. We could, we could come up with a different uh, bet. Uh, we have to go to three Floyds this year, by the way. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, Is Brian going to be why? up for that? Yeah. Okay. 
we can finally settle that friends friends Debate. argument that yeah, we had. That was, that was yeah. the best. That was the best road trip of a terrible year. I think. Uh, well, I think Jurgens is going to win the center job. I guess because it's either going to be him or Farniok, right? I mean. Those are the two guys, and I'm just going off of who's ahead right now or seems to be ahead. I don't know if it's a big lead, but I think Scott Frost has really wanted to see if that's going to take off, and he put a lot into it, and I, I think he's going to be the guy. And then He had some moments on yeah. Saturday, too, where he stoned uh, Darian Daniels at least once. I could see where he – the key for that position to me is – just be solid or just, you know, hold your own this year. That's what it's all about. And then next year we can talk about, can you make that move and be a, one of the better linemen in the big 10 or something like that in a year or two uh, left guard in our bet is probably the one I'm not as positive on right now. Trent Hickson uh, from Omaha Scott. I just think I've heard Greg Austin talk about him enough where I think Austin likes the cut of his jib, and uh, I just think he might be tough to beat out at this point in the summer and fall. But I don't know who – obviously there's the, the Ben Hart thing can shake stuff up. We've talked about this before. It becomes a little dangerous maybe when you're trying to build a certain chemistry all spring and summer, and, and then you got to move uh, Farniok inside, and that moves this guy here. And So that's where I wonder if it's you know too little too late when Ben Hart shows up, but we'll see. And then that's exactly what I'm basically betting on is that Farniok slides into left guard because he'd spent some time there he could. this spring. Um, and that's something that – that was a look that they used several times throughout the spring and Gaylord would play right tackle. I still think it'll be Ben Hart at right tackle. But, I mean, I, I definitely could be wrong. I just uh, – I feel like Bryce Ben Hart came to Nebraska, chose Nebraska – and is going to have every opportunity to play. And it may not be week one. And so that's where I may be wrong in this bet. But I, I expect he's going to start a game in 2019. I really do. And so if he comes in and he has a good fall camp, uh, and we've seen their willingness to let guys play, mm-hmm. that maybe you'd go ahead and you make that move. And the thing about Farniok, he's had a really good spring. He had a really good winter, actually. And – I think they trust that he can make that move pretty easily to left guard. They obviously, like I said, they did it several times during spring practice. Um, from what I have heard, it went well. And, I again, he's a natural guard. So if, if you're at the point where Ben Hart can handle right tackle or he can't but Gaylord can do it for a couple games until Ben Hart takes over, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Farniak is starting next to Brandon Hymas on that left side because they really like that idea. Yeah. I've heard that specifically. Well, I know at the start of spring, Greg Austin said on the record that of the two spots, he loved to move Farniok inside. It's just a question of how much drop-off am I going to take at right tackle, which you cannot afford significant a significant fall right. if I make that move. And there was a lot of buzz before spring started about like a guy like you know Christian Gaylord or something, and I just don't think that has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, So now it's... It's down to one guy, and it's Ben Hart right. showing up. Well, they, and even I don't know if you guys noticed that they had Matt Sichterman playing offensive tackle again. Did they uh, in, in the spring game a little bit? And he'd been playing at guard. That. So I think guys are going to move quite a bit, uh, you know, in the spring. Now, when they get into the fall, I don't expect that they'll move as much. But I think that's kind of the advantage of 
that spring football period is you can try some people in some different spots and see if it sticks. I think the, the I, I don't know if there's a gulf, but it feels like there's a pretty wide margin between the first and the second team at that offensive line spot still. Like, I, I don't know that there's, you know, a guy like Bo Wilson was last year who's like, you know, an obvious I think guy, like guy that you would slide in. Yeah. But I don't know if he's – because he doesn't even necessarily have a position, they like him in that he can sort of be the utility infielder right. of that offensive line, if you will. Um, beyond him, if Hunter Miller hadn't gotten – hadn't had the appendix burst or whatever it was, they might like him a little bit more at center. I think they like Will Farniak as someone to develop – uh, but the thing with Cam Jurgens is he's got so much strength and lower body strength that you just continue to teach him the technique and let that athleticism take over. They they probably will just run with that right out of the gates. So it, it they just don't seemingly have. You're right. That golf is very real to me, and and you hear them talk about it, and it seems very real. It's why they need to get out and build leads against South Alabama and whoever to get those guys some reps, to get Sichterman some reps, to get, you know, Ben Hart if he's not your starting right tackle some reps. I mean, they they haven't done that in years. I mean, they, they didn't do it last year. They didn't do it in 2017. You think about some of those guys, they haven't gotten game reps because Nebraska can't get ahead by enough. Mm-hmm. And so that, that hurts the development of your program. Back to Jurgens, I really – I really hope he takes off because for a variety of reasons for this program. I mean, Nebraska's just been aching to find a guy at center. Anybody. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) who can man that spot and do it at a higher level than average, you know. They haven't even had average most years. No, they haven't some, uh, but for multiple years. And then there's the whole just Juergens, like, I think Nebraska fans want it so bad because he's, you know, he's been a commit since he was like four years old, and you know, and he fights bears in his spill time, and he built well, his own. He's barn. just like the ultimate. He's kind of a Paul Bunyan figure. He's ulti- in a way. He was kind of the ultimate Nebraska boy, and uh, you know, everybody followed his high school career and how far he threw the shot put and all this stuff, and you just want it. It feels like the storyline is there for this to really work and Frost to be right, and he's just you know great player. But man, he's got a tough job ahead of him this year. That's a, it's the toughest job I think anybody has on the whole roster. What he's trying to do. Two hundred eighty pounds right now is what he said he was when he started the move to center. It was two thirty five. Brendan Stey did have a word of caution when we discussed this last week before the spring game. He said when you're building a guy up like that you run the risk of sort of the injuries that he's already kind of run into with a broken foot and some of those things because that weight gain happens so fast that your lower body doesn't transition well enough for what you're carrying. And it, it hurt. I mean, you're, you just you run into to situations, and it happened to him in his career when he got here. And after his redshirt year, he shot up in terms of weight, and he broke his foot. And similar thing happened with Jurgen. So he said that the, the fear – with Juergens is that you, you might just try to keep him right around that 280, 285 mark because if you try to put another 15 pounds in the off season, you could have a real bad injury waiting for him in the regular season, which I thought was kind of interesting. I'd never heard that before. Yeah. As somebody that's put on a lot of weight quickly, um, I, I can understand the, the joints hurting a little bit more. 
Oh, yeah? yeah college you're, you're college to, was rough. You're up to 282 now? Yeah. I, 40 <laughs> wow. pounds of Chipotle, probably. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, I would think that Chipotle would just run right through you. That's true. It's some some stick. I always thought that it was a cleanse. That's why I thought everybody liked <laughs> Chipotle it. Chipotle cleanse. So Queso cleanse. Any other uh, thoughts from the spring game before we transition to recruiting? I'm looking at I'm looking at the spring game stats here to see if anything else. What about wide receivers? Me. Anything there? It was kind of a quiet day, really. For those I didn't think guys. anybody really sort of helped them. Andre Hunt did he catch a ball? He had a couple catches. He caught one from Luke McCaffrey, quiet. I think. Kind of quiet, but I'll take what they said. This is where I would say, listen to what was said for 14 practices and not what you saw Saturday. He's probably, to me, in the lead of guys that we don't know about. I think Cade Warner... Do you think he's the number two receiver? No, I think Cade Warner is. Yeah. I think Cade Warner is underestimated by people, and he was out most of the spring, and he's a he's. I'll bet Cade Warner has a very good statistical year. I think he will. I'm so excited so if, for all of the bets that we're going to have. So if you had... Three, I actually agree with you. I think Cade Warner is going to have a nice year, too. Three wide receivers out there the first time. Spielman, Warner, Hunt. Those are your guys? Spielman, one. Warner, Wandale. No? I don't know. I No? Based on what they've said about Andre Hunt, I think that they really like what he's done. Troy Walters said before that he was he was a, a solid one with with the ones. So where does Wandale fit into that discussion? He's just going to be everywhere. Are you saying he's going to be nowhere Wondell's and everywhere? Going to be here in the fall? Are you, <laughs> is that did what you you're hinting a bust? at? Is that what you're hinting at? No, that's not what I said at all. <laughs> Why are you mentioning Tyjon Lindsay? <laughs> I never did that. Um, <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna be like the fog. He's just gonna roll in and roll out. Like okay. he's just gonna be everywhere. You could yeah. have your home egged if that's you a, said that about Wandale, so we need to be careful. Yeah. That's a very interesting uh question though, and you're you're probably right because if you think about it, Hunt plays outside, Warner plays outside, Spielman plays inside. I don't know if Wandale's at the point where they're gonna be comfortable with his blocking on the edge versus that of Hunt and certainly not that of Warner. Uh so that's a you might be on to something there. What do you guys make of uh, – I mean, so Scott Frost says after the game that that there were times during the spring when the defense was even more dominant against the offense than they were on Saturday. I mean, is that – to go back to the, the argument that we've had for a couple of years now, is Nebraska going to be – better on defense than what they were last year and then if so how much i think so i think the biggest reason is the nose tackle i think in that three four scheme they've been missing like consistent play there and i think it's going to make the other guys on the d-line look better i think it's going to make the second level guys like mo berry and colin miller it's going to free up stuff for them and you know they're pretty experienced on the back end too those corners even though it's been a roundabout journey for like Lamar Jackson he's played a lot of college games now and him and Boodle should be steady I mean at the very least so Cam Taylor's got a factor in that oh yeah he's gonna be a big part of it I think they ranked 75th last year in yards per play allowed at 5.81 yards they need to get that to me like in the top 50 that would be a big step just get it to the top 50. If they can be top 50 in that stat and maybe like top 15 in takeaways, they'll it'll be a really good season, I think. Yeah. I I mean, I've been the low guy on the defense 
or I certainly was last year. I, I feel pretty vindicated by that, but um, you're still better. <laughs> I actually, I mean, I, I'm with with everything Brian said. I I think some of the reason why the offense has struggled this year is you don't have. I mean, J.D. Spillman didn't practice for a portion of your spring. You didn't have Maurice Washington for a portion of your spring. You probably don't have the first three running backs on your depth chart for a portion of the spring. You're breaking in several new offensive linemen, one of which had never played the position until this spring. Like, Are we really to expect that the offense should have been humming along? So, I, look, I, I think that the defense has definitely improved. I think that it's also a product of – Darian Daniels going against Will Farniok and Cam Jurgens and whoever else is running out there at center is a pretty big advantage in the middle of your defensive line. I mean, we heard stories last year of where when they struggled at center, you had guys that had four sack days that were, you know, third, fourth on the depth chart at nose tackle. So I, I would caution people to, I mean, I think they're going to be better defensively, but why I think they're going to be better, I think they have more takeaways. I think you're going to be way more aggressive. I think Deontay Williams is going to have a monster year. He's, I could see him with five takeaways himself between fumbles and interceptions. I think Markel Dismuke is going to be pretty good. I thought he had a nice spring game too. Uh, so I think that they're going to have more takeaways. They're still going to have some issues. But overall, I expect them to be better. They, can w- they could win a lot of games. Let's put it this way. They could win a lot of games with the defense they had most of the second half of the season. That, yeah. They had the formula kind of figured out there at the end. They were not getting any takeaways in the first half. They couldn't win a lot of games if the, the front played like not, they did not against, against Iowa. Iowa. That was a bad day. Yes. And that game could have got way out of hand. But, but Iowa helped them out. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Ferentz dialing up the fake field goal in a magic Kirk moment. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I, think, uh, I think takeaways is the biggest stat they have. It's all Shenander's defenses, it's always been that way. Do you think the safeties – I'm always hesitant on this because they had a lot of veteran guys last year, and I always pause before I say, oh, yeah, these guys are definitely going to be better than these guys who played college football for a few years. But I like Deontay Williams too. Do you, do you like the safeties better this year than a year ago, even though they had guys with so much experience? I liked their safeties last year probably more than most people did, but athletically they're better. I mean, I, I think that Aaron Williams was limited in terms of coverage ability. I always wondered why he was getting stuck on receivers like the Northwestern guy oh, that was a bad or one. Rondale Moore <laughs> when they were doing that in the Purdue game. Um, I, I didn't understand it. Like, he doesn't have that quickness. Deontay Williams does. Uh, I think that Markel Dismuke can give you everything that Antonio Reed did in terms of, of physical presence uh, that, that can hit, that can blitz that can play against the tight end, that can cover in the flats. And frankly, I think he's a little bit more consistent or could be a little bit more consistent. Um, we got to see that. I mean, that's speculation on my part. I mean, where you miss somebody is you don't have Trey Neal, who was an authoritative, this is where you need to be in terms of the defense. But what you hope is that spending a year around him or half, you know, half a year around him Somebody like Deontay Williams, who's talked about that this offseason, he learned a lot. I mean, people got mad when I ran that quote from Travis Fisher that you basically said Deontay Williams was athletically our best safety last year, but I couldn't play him as much because he needed to learn so much from the other guys. That's what you hope that that year was. 
not that this coach didn't play his best player. It's that he's trying to develop him to the point that mm-hmm. he knows he's got the athletic ability and he can also provide the back-end leadership that you need out of a safety. There's a long game view, too, that some people don't understand. It's sort of like baseball where, you know, there you could have a young, talented player, but you, you build them up a certain way before you, you throw them out there. And also, you got to manage your room a little bit. When people get into those discussions, you got you got to realize you've got three seniors who have played a lot, and a lot of guys respect those players, and you can't just met, tip the apple cart sometimes. So that's that's always something you got to keep in mind. With I'm sure Travis yeah, did last year. I I joke about this a lot. Like I think people that have the experience of playing NCAA football on video games think it's a lot like that, and it's not because you don't have to manage personalities and you don't have to you know it's just it's not a video game like there's a lot that goes into running a football team and this idea that a coach wouldn't want to put his best players out there like there's going to be a purpose for what he's doing and he explains it you can accept the reasoning or you don't have to but I think you're going to see this year that it was pretty valuable would we say they have their top we know the top five then on the back end yeah. Oh, yeah. I. I. I mean. I mean, unless unless Deontay a, Williams, a young gun, can come in. And, and just... yeah, even those, even those younger guys, though. I mean, he's starting a lot of them at corner. He's he's said that you know Miles Farmer is going to start at corner. Uh, Noah Pola Gates is going to start at corner, and I think he mentioned Quentin Newsom is going to start at corner. Now he says that because he's going to cross train them because mm-hmm. that's what he does. If you'd asked him which guys were starting at safety, he might have given you the same list. But um, that, that's just how Travis Fisher is. But he's going to try to plug in those people where they can fit in. He wants to play a lot of people. I mean, he wants to mix in. We hear coaches talk about rotating. He's one of the few guys I've seen actually do it mm-hmm. throughout the course of a season. So I, I think that's just part of how he is. But, yeah, I, I think DiCaprio Boodle, Lamar Jackson, Cam Taylor, Deontay Williams, Markel Dismuke, those are your first five names out of your secondary. Yep. Crazy that Eric Lee, like, actually looked pretty good at safety too, like in in a few limited reps in that spring game. I mean, he's there full time now. He's not you know splitting. So, I mean, that's another veteran guy there that is probably going to keep some of those young guys from yeah. getting to the up the depth chart at safety. You kind of want that depth because you don't know where C.J. Smith is going to be when he comes back from his injury. You don't know if Cam Jones is going to do the things off the field to get on the field. Uh, so there's there's some real questions about guys that you really like that are young that you would have thought might have stepped into that next role, but might be a little further away than you would have guessed last year at this time. So, well, Nebraska had a good spring game. They had an excellent recruiting weekend, and we will get into both of their big additions. One which could be playing in 2019, and the other a 2020 recruit that's number 32 in the country that's rated by 24/7 Sports. So when we come back, plenty of recruiting talk. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, so Nebraska had a strong recruiting weekend, and if you missed any of the updates, you can always get those at Husker 24-7 and... For a limited time, you can get uh, the first month of a monthly membership for just a dollar. You got a buck? You don't want a coffee? Coffee probably costs more than a dollar. I don't know. I've never actually bought it. <laughs> That's approximately what water costs that you would order at a coffee they shop. It actually sometimes costs more. <laughs> so uh, if you got a buck, water. you can get Husker 24-7. If you want more than uh, a month, you can get an annual 30% off right now. And we had plenty of updates from the weekend, including on guys like Turner Corcoran, who committed to Nebraska, four-star offensive lineman from Free State down in Lawrence, Kansas. And Jakeem Green, a three-star defensive tackle from Highland Community College that has the ability to finish up some classes and enroll this summer, which would allow him to play in 2019. Which guy should we talk about first? First, with Corcoran, what, what visit number was this? Do we ever get that determined? I think nine. I ran through him in my head. He came for the spring game last year. He came in the summer twice. He came to Akron, Minnesota, Michigan State. He came to a junior day. He came on March 19th, and he came to the spring game. So that's either 9 or 10. As they always say, if you can get a guy on campus nine times, <laughs> you like their chances. Yeah, I mean, I, program. I think it worked out. They're, they're working on getting Nash Hutmacher to, to do the <laughs> – Turner Corcoran plan if they can go fishing another five times. So we'll, we'll start with Turner because you, you asked that question. This was, and I, I've said this since last year, this was Nebraska's number one target on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you're talking about a top 40 talent in the country, a lineman <coughs> that, excuse me, you hope can plug and play. And, uh, He's a guy that right in your own area. I mean, you beat out Oklahoma, Ohio State, but you also beat out Kansas State, uh, an in-state school that made a pretty strong push. He had offers from a number of other schools around the country, and he immediately clicked with Greg Austin and Scott Frost, and that was a big deal. Fra- what? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Please. Either of you talk, I'm going to get water. <laughs> yeah, see, you were getting choked up talking about it, that recruit. I like that. I don't know. I, I said this before, but – I just think Frost and this staff 
are going to win most of the time with kids of the make of Corcoran and Hutmacher, I think, too. I, I just think they have – there's like a mid, this Midwest vibe that Frost and some of those guys have that I think other coaches are going to have trouble matching. And I'm not saying there aren't other coaches from the Midwest in the area, but I, 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 I mean the way that they communicate, I think it just gives Nebraska a huge advantage on these ones. So Scott Frost and his staff are just going to out Midwest guys? I, I mean, think a little bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's the, the 2020 <laughs> class is so fascinating to me because it, it's kind of coming together at the right time where you've got a lot of or more highly rated talent in a very close radius to Lincoln. And, you know, even though you had the coaching changeover, the staff has done a hell of a job of getting these guys on campus early and often. I mean, it's – Multiple times with Hutmacher. I mean, you get Corcoran to come up nine times. Um, I mean, there's probably not a ton you need to see um, at that eighth and ninth visit. But, um, you know, it's they, – That eighth visit was important. It was the first time he went to a Nebraska practice. Yeah. Well, you got to watch Greg Austin in action. Took some mental reps. Well, you, you, you can never overstate the importance of me- mental reps. But, I mean, they, they, they've done a great job with not just him, but, I mean, you, you look at, at Hutmacher's one, the guys from Colorado, Reese Atterbury's been here a couple times. I mean, Guys from Iowa. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're really kind of setting the table for a pretty impressive 2020 class here. Remember when we visited with the recruiting guys uh, up in the offices last fall? They were talking about they don't roll out, like, red carpet for anybody. They don't make it bigger than it is and that so when i talk about the old midwest thing it's not just frost it's this whole staff all all the recruiting guys too there's just some common sense approach to it that i think kids from this part of the country appreciate it's like just come yeah we'll give you everything you want you can play football here we're not going to promise you anything uh, we're not going to wear T-shirts with your name on it or anything. We just want you to come in and fight. And I, I think a lot of those kids are going to like that. Throw Matt Sichterman under the bus next time. <laughs> Joseph Lewis, too. Yeah. And, and, and Joseph Lewis. And Jody, Jody Lewis T-shirts. Yeah. Too bad on that one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Eh, it might have worked out for everybody. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Nebraska lands their number one offensive target. They picked up Xavier Betts. They have Logan Smothers. Two out of those three guys were there for them on Saturday. Xavier Betts wasn't there for a good reason, though. Well, he was doing work in St. Louis, Just kicking ass. Yeah, and we will we will get to that in a little bit. But do you think? And and I don't. Neither of you guys have talked to him as much as I have. But you've read interviews. You've seen him talk about Nebraska. He, he gave the quote that he was born to to be a Husker. I think having a guy that highly rated in your backyard, who's going to be up here for just about any major event you have going on, I think that's a really important peer recruiter. And uh, you're talking about Midwest sensibilities, and you're talking about how in 2020 there's all these guys in that area. I see no reason why Turner can't hit it off with people like Reese Atterbury and Roger Rosengarten, Alex Kahn. I mean, those are three of their probably top five offensive line targets right there. Wouldn't be at all surprised if he and Nash Hutmacher wanted to go over to a stocked fishing pond and get the pontoon boat out and go fishing someday either. So I I think having someone get into the class like Turner this early 
is a real coup because he can help with everything else. Not that Logan Smothers couldn't have helped peer recruit, and he is. But it's a little bit different when it's a quarterback that this is, you know, if there's Smothers, it's his third visit. Uh, that was visit number two, I believe. Yeah, so a, a little, it's a little different, and he's just from a different area of the country. He's not as familiar with Nebraska football in the way that Turner is now. And so I think that that's going to be something that will – pay off for Nebraska and I'll hit on some of that peer recruiting in a little bit but I don't want to I don't want to stray too far from talking about what might be the biggest news to come out of the weekend Nebraska adding a defensive tackle and Jakeem Green he committed he has not yet signed he can't sign until the next signing period opens in May and then at that point he needs to be close enough that Nebraska would allow him to sign that they know that there's going to be no issues there but you're talking about a six foot three six four three hundred pound defensive lineman from South Carolina, was committed to the Gamecock, couldn't qualify academically in December, is likely and on track to qualify for Nebraska here this summer. How big of an addition is this for a defensive line that already added Darian Daniels, has seen development from Damian Daniels, and now has a third body it can throw into that rotation, which probably moves someone like Carlos Davis out of having to play nose tackle again? Well, I mean, Brian hit on it earlier. I mean, the the, the depth that they have there and the, and the size that they have there, I mean, it is, it's a complete 180 from where they were last year. And just adding more competition to that room is huge. Um, you know, they, they're going to want to rotate a lot of guys through there. Tony Tudioti said that, you know, they want to play six for sure. He'd like to play eight if he could. And, you know, finding somebody that was – you know, a legit prospect that a lot of SEC schools wanted and a guy that can come in right away, it's huge. You know, the the, the thing I worry about is, you know, when does he actually get there? Because, I mean, it, it, the, the more it drags on, the tougher that becomes. But, I mean, I, I think just having, having that guy and the fact that they just went hard after him, again, shows, you know, what Ryan Held can do in the junior college ranks in Kansas because – you know, they, they really pounced on that opportunity and shows again that they're willing to turn over every leaf no matter what time of the year it is to add more depth if they can get it. Is he is he a two for two or what's his? Three for two. So that's what I was going to say. Even if he gets here late, as long as he gets here and you can build him up and then he could play four games for you late in conference season, still redshirt for next year. So I think that's a pretty – Yeah, that's This redshirt rule is such a – throws a wrench into – how you would normally think about these kinds of things. The three for two on him is huge. Yeah. Because he would have lost that third year to try to qualify to go to somewhere like South Carolina. And it's huge because of Darian Daniels. If Darian Daniels stays healthy and is really good for you and you got enough pieces, then you feel like, oh, we got this stocked up for another couple of years where you got this guy and Damian Daniels. And then you think about, like, when you get to the summer months and there's grad transfers – who are the guys who are treated like unicorns more than anybody else? It's a defense. You see, like average to below average defensive linemen that suddenly, like big time schools are like, oh, maybe we'll take a shot at this guy just to have a big body. So you, you get a guy like this who's maybe one of the the best JUCO guy at his position. I mean, you're you're ahead of that grad transfer game where everybody's got their elbows out trying to get these two or three guys who are probably average players. Yeah. Here's something for you. This is Nebraska's only junior college edition in the 2019 class. 
despite all of the talk of Desmond Bland and Tony Fair and Tony Wallace and the linebacker that went to Virginia Tech, they didn't take anybody until Jakeem Green. And it's uh, it's just interesting. I, I think I have another thought that goes along with this is the recruiting cycle is just so different now in that, yeah, there's signing day in December. Yeah, there's a signing day in February. But the smart coaches, the smart staffs, the people that have it put together are always looking to add people year-round. And, I mean, I think Jakeem Green is going to have significantly more of an impact during his time than Vaha or Will Jackson did. And so we, we've seen them add people that haven't done a whole lot. But I, I really think that the diligence of, of you know, Ryan Held to, to keep those relationships, to check in on it, and then to get this kid to campus – and talking to his assistant coach, I mean, the big thing was Nebraska didn't necessarily sell him the first time they talked to him. They said, hey, we got an opportunity for you to play. This is what we can provide. This is what it's like up here. You should check it out. Kid went up there, saw it. It was exactly what they told him it was going to be. They showed him what the depth chart was, and all of a sudden he's ready to go. I mean, it helps that he couldn't go somewhere else, and so you're the school that has the opportunity to get him in. But – I just I applaud their ability to always being open, and that's why people shouldn't freak out that they don't get people at the end of a cycle. I mean, if you would have taken a nose tackle just to take a nose tackle, you're maybe out of this kid because of numbers. Matthew Polamau, is that who you're specifically it's, talking it's about? One of them, yeah. And so I I just think that we can talk all day about what those numbers are going to be in a cycle, whether they're going to have 22 or 24 in the class of 2020 really doesn't matter because if they have some extras at the end this staff has shown they're going to fill it and i think that's a huge thing as you're developing this program now you want those people to be helpful and i i think that jakeem green will be it, it's funny yesterday at basketball they were talking about how you recruit transfers and the idea of it it's clean you know, guys are looking – they want an opportunity. They're, they're not, you know, really swayed by all the bells and whistles and all that other stuff that uh, gets kind of thrown forward. It's, uh, you know, a quick recruitment, sell the opportunity, get them to campus and say, you know, frankly, look, this is this is the deal. This is what we've done. This is what we're going to do. Take it or leave it. And, and it's a pretty I, – I think there's a strong correlation to recruiting those guys now – um, during this time of year in football, too, where you know he he had an option, Green had an option with Houston, um, but Nebraska basically said this is this is what we can do, this is you know what we need, and it it, it fit, um, and, and it's you, you don't have the you know two year recruitment of a guy, and then you know have him go somewhere else. So it's you know I I think it's it makes a ton of sense to do it, and you know Vaha hasn't worked out the way that they probably would have hoped, but. At the same time, I mean, these guys are two-year guys in your program. They you, you get them for a year, they work out great. If they don't, okay, well, you got them for one more year. And he might have helped in other ways. Too. Sure, sure. I, I'm sure he did. I mean, he's a you know the, from a leadership point of view or whatever. But I mean that that's I think the benefit of, of kind of going that route if you're Nebraska too. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned recruiting guys for two years, and that's kind of where some of this has been for Nebraska in terms of other visitors they had. It was a great weekend obviously with the additions of, of Turner and, and Jakeem, but they put their best foot forward with some other guys out there too. 
Blaze Gunnarsson is someone I put in a crystal ball for for Nebraska, in part because of Turner Corcoran. I mean, they have a good relationship. They text daily. They met on March 19th when they were at the same Nebraska visit, and they hit it off immediately. And Blaze Gunnarsson's a six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound outside linebacker, and they want to keep him at outside linebacker. I mean, that's a big kid that you know we we talk about a lot of the outside linebackers that you have to kind of build them into you know from 200 pounds six foot one safeties that you're building into outside linebacker here's a ready-made big 10 type guy and he really likes what alex davis in particular was doing in the spring game because that's who he envisions he's going to be like if he were to go to a place like nebraska not that he would have the same career or the same production but like that type of role and i thought that that was really smart um, and, and intuitive from his part to sort of be looking at that when he was out there on the spring visit. But I, I think they put their best foot forward with Blaze Gunnarsson. Jamar Sakona is a huge target of Tony Tuioti's. That went about as well as they could have asked outside of just getting the immediate commitment. But I think that's coming too. And so you, you had some coaches on the defensive end really kind of move forward. And then you had some guys that you didn't really know what they were going to think, but Malik Reed loved it. Inside linebacker, Barrett Rude, all over him right now. It was kind of funny. Uh, he gave me this quote about how he didn't know that Rude was such a big deal at Nebraska, like that he was uh, one of the all-time leading tacklers and then was kind of surprised to find out that this guy had stuck around in the NFL for eight years. And so, you know, recruiting is weird because you'd think that a guy gets an offer from Barrett Rude. He's just going to go Google this person and learn everything he can about him. Think about these kids. They get 25 different schools and 25 different coaches hitting them up or whatever it is. Sometimes you need that visit to actually get there and you learn about someone. And Malik Reed left thinking that Barrett Rude is the kind of linebackers coach that anybody would want to play for because he's done everything anybody wants to do. So how could you get a whole lot better than that? I mean, that's a feather in Nebraska's cap for a guy they really like. And Tommy Christakos, I mean, not the same thing with Sean Becton, but he saw a day in which Nebraska was thrown to their tight ends and sees an offense where tight ends could have a field day. Uh, if teams have to focus on having to shut other things down, you can't shut everything down. And so that's a kid that was blown away by Nebraska. And all of these guys love the atmosphere. I mean, we kind of joke about it a little bit, but it was a real game day atmosphere for a lot of these people. You think about – Jamar Sakona and Malik Reed and Tommy Christakos and Logan Loya, a wide receiver from St. John's Bosco. Where do you think they're going to see 86,000 people showing up to an actual game out on the West Coast? Nowhere. And they saw that at a spring game, at a practice in Nebraska. And that was, you know, a, a big deal for a lot of them. So it was a, it was a very successful weekend. Um, I think Nebraska set themselves up with multiple commitments to come from this weekend. Uh, anywhere that you guys want to particularly go with this, anybody that stood out to you when you saw them on the sidelines or when you read about uh, their reactions from the stories, Xavier Watts was in too. He had a good visit as well. Still hoping to get a full update from him. Well, they had, I mean, beyond those guys, you mentioned a lot of whom are 2020 guys. I mean, they had a pretty impressive group of 2021 and, and even 2022 guys on the sidelines. And, and that's the benefit, like Brian said, a couple of weeks ago of, of them finally getting to work ahead in future classes and making early offers. And, um, you know, one guy that I talked to, I haven't written the, written the update yet, but Gavin Sawchuck, 2022 kind of Valor Christian in, uh, 
in Denver. Um, picks up a Nebraska offer on his visit. He's a f- finishing up his freshman year of high school. Already has Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska, Oregon, Penn State offers. Uh, averaged eight point eight yards a carry as a freshman, and uh, is really tight with Luke McCaffrey. I mean, w- when you're getting those types of guys on campus for that that kind of an event, um, it, it really sets you you you're, it gets you in the mix, I think, and catches guys' attention because I, I think Mike's right. I mean, a lot of guys they get an offer, they start getting you know into the twenties for offers, and you know they, they a lot of those guys kind of start sounding the same, and assistant coaches sound the same. And an event like Saturday is what helps you stand stand apart and, and sets yourself set yourself up for a return visit. Because I mean, if you're getting that many people in a stadium on a Saturday in April, I mean, I think these guys can kind of imagine what it's going to be like if you're playing, you know, Ohio State or somebody like that in September. Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole idea of there's only a few places in the country where if you come there you can be a rock star i mean you you have that opportunity before you and that's always been one of nebraska's best selling points it's the show you can be a main actor and people know you even before you sign on the dotted line here and the other thing i think that's big and maybe it doesn't come out as much in the spring game but like when they had people for junior day earlier this spring Ryan Hill talked about this. The way they practice is just attractive to every recruit. They everything's fast and it's you know, they go to a practice it's not like you know, sometimes you've been to practices in the past where it's like, Oh, these guys are standing around over here, they're standing and you're like, Yeah, it's not that exciting but when it's constantly moving and it looks like kind of a fun offense like you would have on a video game and then you've got a defense that's using a scheme that a lot of NFL teams are using now, um, that's all going to add up for you. And I think that's the whole combination of all that mixed together is what is probably going to work pretty well in this class. Yeah, I, I think you're you're absolutely right. I know that three commitments now doesn't feel like a ton, but certainly when you look at Xavier Betts and Turner Corcoran and I think Logan Smothers is going to get re-rated. I mean, they got three guys that are at the high end of their board, and so – They'll build out from there. I expect a few more commitments to come in the 2020 class. And then in the summer, they're going to be rolling. I mean, as we yeah. saw it last year. We're going to see it again this year. They're going to be adding people left and right. And, uh, you know, it's a, I think it's a good time for Nebraska to really kind of sell and, and go out and really push the narrative that they're turning this thing around. they got to back it up in the fall. But – they, they have a very attractive pitch in a lot of ways right now for recruits. One thing I was thinking of when I saw this on the sidelines, if if we all agree, and I think we would, that Sue is Nebraska's most visible player in the NFL, is Prince of Mukamara second? I think he sort of has to be by default. In general or among Nebraska fans? In general. I mean, Because it's, it's a fans, different answer. Among Nebraska fans, it's Rex Burkhead, but I don't think that's accurate. I, among Nebraska fans, it definitely is. I don't think that Re- I don't think that Rex gets associated with Nebraska to like you know Joe, right. Joe, Joe three star. Right, agreed. And does does Sue even get associated with Nebraska to those kids though? I mean, like yeah, he does when you talk to defensive linemen, he'll get mentioned. But because Nebraska's pushed it, or because they know that anyway? Well, I don't know if Nebraska's pushing it. I mean, I don't know if Nebraska's pushing any of these guys that they didn't coach, in all honesty. 
I mean, you're more likely to hear about Mike Hughes than you are Prince of Mukamara if you talk or, to or guys at back. Oregon or guys at Oregon. Uh, but I, I was just thinking, I watched uh, a 2021 linebacker from South Dakota that Nebraska really wants, top 100 player in Randolph Kapai. And he saw Prince of Mukamara standing over by the fence and lit up like the kid who gets a Christmas present that he's been just dying for. He unwraps it under the tree and he's just fired up. He just goes marching over there with his buddy from Sioux Falls, Washington, and you get this photo. And I was thinking to myself, like, who else would elicit? I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to either be a Bears fan, or you'd have to really sort of know the NFL to to be able to pick out Prince Mukamara, unless you you follow football that deeply. I mean, Randy Gregory could be a little bit visible for people. Maybe Malik Collins, but there's not a lot. You think about it. Nebraska needs that. They need to be more visible in that regard. They they need to start, and it's not going to happen, you know, this year. I like Stanley Morgan a lot, but he's going in the fifth round, and he's got to cling for for life uh, with a team and find the right team and the right fit. But they they really need a run of some guys to get into the NFL that are high-profile players. That'll help recruiting, too. Prince was pretty well dressed too. I mean, that you mentioned he, that he, you're he, a little he, jealous. He stood out, like guys in like track suits and all this other stuff. And he's over there in like a very like nice overcoat and very expensive sweatshirt. You know what Brunts admitted up in the press box? What that you know how they have those like trunk club things that you can sign up for and they send you clothes every month. Mm-hmm. If Prince did that, he would want to. Yeah, be. I, I get not I get, even Prince the musician, Prince of Mukamar. <laughs> I, <laughs> He wants to be part of the Prince pack. If Prince, Prince the musician was doing that, that would be. It's called every man a prince. Just uh, rolling in here like a purple suit all the time. I don't think you could pull it off. No, I couldn't. I would like to see you try. In a Mukamara trunk club, I would think about it. Yeah, he was definitely the best dress. He's also really just like I can see why your point about him being the second most popular guy that's a Husker because. I don't know if you're a starting corner in the NFL. There's only so many of those guys. It's not it's not quite quarterback, but it's close. Like if you follow the game on Sundays, you know most of the corner, the top cornerbacks in this league. And the Bears' defense was great. I hate to say it, but they were. And so they're uh, aided by a terrible schedule. They'll be bad. Next year. <laughs> Schaefer's over here with a clenched fist. <laughs> well, you're their defensive coordinators now. Your head coach. I know. I'm just Whoa. saying. It's hard to repeat. I know Bears fans. But so let's tamp down the enthusiasm a little. Well, bit. the draft's coming up, and they—you're right. It's not going to happen this year. But that storyline has to change too at Nebraska. I mean, you think about last year uh, with the UCF guys who were getting drafted. Of course, there's Shaquem Griffin, and you had Scott Frost and Javon Dewitt who went down there to be with the family, and they were there on draft day. They they need that again. I was I just saw a list of like their fifteen coaches who are going to be there on the opening night. You mm-hmm. know Nebraska's not because there's no reason to be, and that has been a drought that is getting a little more worrisome. Yep. At first I was like, well, it's a year or two, and now you look at it's a pretty good trend that it's gone way. You south. get beyond that 2009, 2010, yeah. 2011, and it drops. When it when you're clinging to the they got a guy drafted for the 80th year in a row. That's like all that's left of it, you yeah. know. It's got to it's got to be more than that now. 
the last good year that they really had from just a depth draft perspective was that 2011 class that Prince was in. It was Prince, Roy Hallou, Alex Henry, Gomes, Miles Paul, Keith Williams, and uh, Eric, Keith Williams, Eric oh, Haig. Yeah, that was a good group. I didn't. I forgot Keith Williams got too. drafted. And kind of and especially if they're going to start pumping up this offensive line summer camp, you just need to start getting some guys drafted early on. I mean. Give a lot of credit to Jeremiah Searles, Brent Qualley, yeah. those guys Stare. for sticking and being in the NFL. But, I mean, it's it's been a pretty long time since they've had consistent guys getting drafted. You guys are going to have some exciting draft pods while I'm gone, maybe. Exciting could be a word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Not the one I would choose, but we'll have one. It's, a, it's something. Yeah. It's a word. It yes. is definitely a word. Yes. And if you like words, you can find lots of words at Husker 24-7. We write words all day long. Some good words, some bad words. Well, not a whole lot of bad words. We try to censor the board. But you can get everything at Husker 24-7. You want updates on a second-string punter leaving the team? We got it. You want Jakeem Green committing to Nebraska? We got that. You want updates from the recruiting of the spring game? We have that. You want updates from the spring game? We have that. You want updates about Doc Sadler returning to Nebraska? Well, we'll talk about that on the next podcast. But we have updates on the website, too. Mm-hmm. So Husker 24-7 has all your stuff. We'll be back later this week with another podcast. Catch you next time.